podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How good was that? A 93rd minute winner in front of the Stretford end at Old Trafford. Just a wonderful, wonderful moment for Marcus Rashford and everyone there and everyone around the world jumping off their sofas or the bar stools or wherever they were. Uh, fantastic. Um, Everyone loves that. Manchester United won, West Ham United nil, and United move into the top four for the first time since October uh, after we were beaten by Leicester City 4-2 under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ralph Rennick has got United into the top four temporarily. It's what he was effectively brought in to do. And yes, teams bind off have games in hand, but points are more important than games in hand. And this was a very satisfying win after a controlled, if slightly uninspiring, an attack performance. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, we'll have a youth loan and women's roundup with Zidane Iqbal, the 18-year-old who made his debut in December in the Champions League. He's set to play for Rack for the first time this week. Uh, we'll have a bit on that. The under-18s, the under-23s and the women all won the women twice this week. Fantastic week for Mark Skinner's side. Uh, brilliant for them. Um, so we'll be talking about all of that much later and we'll be talking a little bit about United in general. But first, welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast where we're going to be reveling in that late winner uh, with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. And Jack, to begin with, yeah, just how good was that? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, mate. It was... I, I haven't celebrated a goal like that in a long, long time. Man United haven't given us a moment like that in a long time. And I think it made it all the better that it felt... <clears throat> It felt like it was for both this team and for Rashford as an individual. It was just a huge redemption arc from what has been a really testing few months. And you know, that's not to say that it's over, but it's been a really testing few months for this team. And Rashford yeah. has come under a lot of criticism. You know, rightly so. He hasn't been playing playing well at all recently. But it felt like it, it felt like the end of one chapter and maybe the beginning of another. And who knows if it will actually end up like that? But there was such a sense of of joy watching that go in. And the fact that it was Rashford that, that put the ball in the back of the net, I think just made it all the better. It, I mean, I'd love to hear from you what it was like in the, in the <laughs> ground, but I mean, on TV, it was, uh, it was just an incredible moment. I said, I haven't celebrated a goal like that. I can't remember the last time I celebrated like that, honestly. Yeah, it was special inside the ground. Because I always look back on that Scott McTominay, not winner, but we always call it the second goal against City in the derby and yeah. that rainy day in in, uh, in March in Manchester that ended up being the, the last home game. That will always, always be one of like these these special moments. Um, and this is probably the goal I've celebrated most since then, in, in person at least. And it, it had that same feeling of just, complete and utter bedlam and and just utter joy and there there really is just nothing like that just nothing like that in the world it's the the most powerful drug you'll ever have is that feeling of just yeah just pure joy pure footballing joy but also just just pure joy in general and like yeah amazing celebrations one of those where like I, I've still, I've got a couple of scrapes down both shins. And I had a contact <laughs> lens fall out mid bear hug with some randomer, and it like it was also brilliant because we had the moment the goal went in, fantastic. Lo, lo, I certainly did, and I'm sure loads of people inside the ground thought it was offside, but we just said I know lots of people who were there who didn't celebrate because they thought it was offside and thought it'd be ruled out. I probably had that in my head for like a millisecond but just decided to go with it anyway even though I thought it was going to be ruled out because I was like why not 
Uh, it's so late in the game. And then we had the moment where VR confirmed it. And then what, 20, 30 seconds after that had a uh, full time as well. There's three moments of, of joy and, and celebration. So, so good. One of those where you're celebrating so much. And cause you've had those three points, you're, you're singing and shouting and celebrating so much. Your head is kind of hurting from it all, but just brilliant. I think what sums that feeling up is as we are walking back from Old Trafford, uh, we're walking towards Trafford Bar tram stop uh, and, and like it, it got dark by the end of the game, just walking along and everyone's in a great mood, few songs breaking out and my brother just said it's, it's at that stage where nothing's funny but you just keep on laughing and that's it. <laughs> it's that kind of, there's no, there's nothing to hold back how happy you are and there are, there is honest, I there is nothing else in life that gives you that, nothing. I remember after the Villa game uh, in, in the Premier League when we drew 2-2, I tweeted saying this is one of those days where I wish I didn't care so much about football because it <laughs> yeah. just, it does that to you sometimes, doesn't it? But this is the complete flip side because there are days when it gives you emotions that I don't think many other things in life can provide. You know, when it gives you that moment of just pure unbridled joy. And and not only that, it's just this feeling of of feeling that together with you know, in your case, being there with thousands and thousands of people at Old Trafford, in my case, you know, watching it on the, on the TV, but sort of knowing that you're part of this huge group that are all just going absolutely crazy yeah. at that moment. And like the, the power that it has over you to kind of control your emotions is, I mean, it's, it can be frustrating at times, but when it goes through your way, it is genuinely a, a feeling that you just have to savor because they are seriously, seriously special special days when you get a moment like that. It's now the second year in a row that Rashford has provided a January 93rd minute winner after <laughs> doing against another uh, West Midlands club. They did the same thing against Wolves last year in January. Uh, well, I don't West Midlands, it's just West Ham, wasn't it? Not Aston Villa. I, I, my head's all over the place. We've played so many teams <laughs> yeah. are playing Claret and Blue in the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, another late January, another late January winner for Rashford at home. I mean, yeah, just could you couldn't be happier, and I think it capped off what it will probably turn out to be a really, really important week actually in the grand scheme of the season as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. What's so amazing about it is, well, I mean, in all likelihood, this isn't one we'll remember for years to come. I don't think. And yeah, there, same with the Wolves no... one from last year. Like, I don't really remember that. One. Yeah, it's a great United, exactly. Moment. And even when we look back at the end of the season, it, it's not like this is, yes, it could be important in the top four race, but this isn't one that's going to live that long in the memory. And yet it doesn't stop it being so good in the moment. That's what I love about it. Whereas like the McTominay one against City will live long in the memory and, and plenty others. But these, these are moments that in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, in football, let alone in the why the world still don't matter that much and yet are really good. And they're just yeah. really, really good. But yeah, really important week. Uh, should we, yeah, let, let's talk about the week overall and its impact first, and then we'll talk just more specifically about that, performance. Well, did, did you, did you realise before this game how many 90th minute winners Rashford had? Well, because I knew, I, like, I know that stat has been flying around after this is now his fourth 90th plus minute winner in the Premier League, which I think is the most joint most of all time. But I, I guess if you'd have asked me like to think about Rashford last minute winners, I would have realised exactly. eventually, but I had no idea off the soft top of my head that he had well, that many. So I, if you'd said, name me how many injury time winners Rashford has scored, I could have named you all of them. And yet I yeah. wouldn't 
if you'd said to name me the player who has the most injury time winners, I of course wouldn't have said Marcus Rashford, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, or even if you'd have said like, don't think about which ones they are, just tell me how many 90th minute winners do you think Rashford has? I would have said maybe one or two. But then if I actually had thought about it, I would have been able to recall Bournemouth Hull. Yeah. You know, in the part, it's just, it's just I think weird. No. But it's, just, it's a great stat. I think he's, is he also now the second highest goal scorer to substitute for United behind uh, I think he's still, maybe I saw this stat after the Brentford game, so maybe he's risen one more. I thought he was third after, he's definitely, yeah, he's in, in that top thing. Um, he might be right and he's second yeah. now, but he's, yeah, him and Cavani are, are two of the top scoring substitutes in the last two seasons in the Premier League as well. Yeah. And we should note very quickly, because I don't think we'll talk about this later, but Ranić substitutes worked and we were criticising them last week. Yeah, so true, good point. Hats off in a very significant way. They were great. They have all three of them combined and it wasn't just that they combined for the goal. They actually made a difference on the pitch as well in general. Um, yeah, let's talk about the week's significance in general and then we'll talk about the performance more specifically and we can talk about Brentford as well because we haven't spoken to you since then. The week's significance, well, yeah, as you say, very big. Two wins. Is that? I can't remember when our, our last back-to-back wins were. There's some terrible stat about it. Um, the one, the one I can instantly think of is uh, Wolves and uh, Newcastle, but there must have been one since then. And if there's not, oh, you're then, talking. I'll, I'll double check. Yeah, but so hugely important. The first half against Brentford was really poor, but we came out and were clinical in the second half. And I think what was great about the West Ham game was, yeah, the element of control to it. I think if we can't say it's been a completely kind of controlled week and we've seen exactly what we want from this team because that's not true. The first half against Brentford, we should have been two or three goals down. Uh, but we more than made up for it in the second half with an okay defensive performance, but particularly a just clinical in attack and, and two goals, particularly maybe even three that really looked like Ralph Rennick goals in terms of the speed, winning possession back and the speed at which we created a chance. And we've been disappointed with how little we've seen that. And so that was pleasing. And in terms of the mood for the club, winning, but also three academy goal scorers, Rashford scoring twice off the bench, uh, Martial's situation becoming okay again. He, he still might leave, but coming back into the team and helping the team win. Ronaldo and Cavani both being fit for Saturday's game. All the all the stresses around United are, had dissipated in this week and they might come back, certainly, but just for this week, they, they, they left. Yeah, it was, so, so to answer the, the back-to-back wins question, it was Arsenal and then Palace. So oh, okay, Carrick's yeah. last game yeah. and Ranić's first game was the last time we had back-to-back wins. I, like, I mentioned at the start that this felt like a big goal, not just because it was a great moment, but also because of sort of the narrative arc around it. And that, you know, for Rashford and for this team, there's so much, I think that this week means for the moving forward. It does feel like it's sort of moving out of this sort of rough patch that we were suffering in the start of the new year with where it felt like Ranyuk didn't really have much control over this team, maybe didn't really have much of a plan. We, we certainly didn't have control over matches that we were playing in. But I think the last few weeks have certainly been positive. You know, it hasn't been perfect, far from it. Like you said, you know, we've had the Villa game in the cup where we didn't play particularly well. We played well in in patches, especially at the end of the game. We then played Villa in the league where we played very well for 50, 55 minutes and then let everything slip. 
you know, then we've gone and played Brentford in the league where we were bad for 45 minutes, but then pretty good throughout the second half and, and ended up running out that game comfortably. And then even against West Ham where, you know, things could, could have been very different. We could easily have lost or drawn that game. But I think for the vast majority of it, we controlled the game without creating too much. I think the performance generally was was good without being spectacular. And I think really importantly, there were some really key players that had been sort of on the fringes of, of the team or not going through the best moment of their their careers, I think stepped up and really performed very, very well. Yeah. Obviously, like you mentioned, we had Martial, Cavani, Rashford, three subs combining for the goal who all have been sort of a little bit on the outside looking in. But you also, also have the likes of Darlow playing well. I don't, this, this was even his, don't even think this was his best performance. But then the one that really stood out to me was Maguire yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, coming back into the team, I thought he was brilliant in central defence and reaffirmed my faith in that Maguire-Varane partnership. Yeah, definitely. I think still can be excellent together. You know, it, again, it's not perfect. I don't think we've had a perfect game under Ranić. Yeah, I don't think we've even approached a perfect game under Ranić. But in all of the games in the last few weeks and from this week in particular, then you are seeing some signs that in various phases, especially defensively, we are starting to get there. We are starting to to make strides. We're starting to put into practice a lot of what Ranić has preached ever since he took over the job. And, you know, that is only positive signs. The creativity does need to come because that yeah, is a worry yeah. that, you know, throughout the game, the West Ham game, we didn't really create any chances. We had one from Fred at the start of the second half where he got very lucky with a, a ricochet back into his path. But, you know, it, I, I think it will come. But I think we're, I have much more confidence now than I did a few weeks ago that we are building something, building a team that sort of is getting a solid formation, this 4-3-3 with Fernandes a bit deeper. We're getting more control of games and defensively we're much, much more solid. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I don't know whether it was last week or the one before where I spoke about that the the overriding emotion at the moment, at that moment as a United fan, was one of kind of confusion and uncertainty. And what Rennick is doing is putting a bit of certainty back in things. And the way he's doing that is by trying to get a really good defensive base to this team. In the first half against Brentford, that, <laughs> that failed spectacularly. De Gea saved us on a couple of occasions and Brentford's poor finishing did as well. But you can see that's that's what he's trying to do. And it meant the West Ham game was, yeah, it, it, if we hadn't scored, it would have been uninspiring. But we did. The creativity wasn't enough. The attacking wasn't enough. But that solidity of defence was was certainly there and it comes not just from the defenders playing well and these two are, are definitely linked to the fact the defenders are playing well and looking good again because the team is defending as a whole so Alanga and Greenwood did a great job tracking their runners throughout the game which is something we said was going to be really important against Brentford and West Ham and it was they didn't do it well enough against Brentford they did do it well enough against West Ham so it's the team is the team as a whole is defending well and that means the defenders look good because they can do what they're meant to do and that confusion is at least for now in the warm glow of victory is is not there so much you're right that we're still looking for that I think I was writing a preview for the West Ham game I think I called it the the golden performance we're still looking for that 90 minutes of quality and this wasn't that I don't think I think this was pretty far from that West Ham weren't very good if they were better then we might have lost that game if we hadn't scored the last minute goal it wouldn't be seen very very well this definitely wasn't the golden 90 minutes but while we get to that golden 90 minutes getting results like a win against Brentford a win against West Ham that's what we need to do we need to just avoid slipping up as many times as we can while confidence 
gets back into this team and while uh, while we build on those basic principles that Radnick is is instilling. Yeah, absolutely. I think that golden game is a great way of golden match is a great way of describing what we're looking for, and we we certainly haven't had it yet. I think we see we've seen glimpses of it, but to be honest, we haven't even really seen three quarters of a match with that yet. And you know that's what we should be striving towards. But I think I've this is by far the most confident I have felt about Ranić as manager and, and the way that we are sort of progressing as a team. Because what I like is that he hasn't he hasn't had to sort of go to to strange lineups. He hasn't had to deviate too far away from you know the the normal players that would be playing every week for Man United. And he has managed, I think, to start getting the best out of some of the players that haven't you know, haven't been performing particularly well this season. We're seeing Bruno Fernandes going through a big renaissance at the moment. Again, you know, two more assists against Brentford off the back of two goals against Villa. Yeah. I, I really like him playing in this deeper role. Maguire's come back into the team and, you know, hopefully can build on this performance. And I think Fred and McTominay are the big two that stand out to me as players that Ranić is really seeming to get the best out of. They seem to both, Fred in particular, really seems to be thriving in this slightly more advanced role that he's playing in, more of a traditional box-to-box role than the sort of holding midfield role that he was asked to play a lot under Solskjaer. It does feel like strides are being made. And I think really these next couple of months are all about continuing to make those strides, you know, hopefully getting to a point where we have these this level of performance more consistently and there aren't these massive dips during games that we're, that we're currently yeah. seeing. And then, you know, work on our way towards top four. I don't think it should... I don't think it should go totally unnoticed that we are now in the top four. The table is a bit of a misnomer at the moment because yep. of how many Definitely. teams are missing games here and there. I think Tottenham still have two or th- maybe two games in hand on us, something like that. Yep. But, you know, it's it, it's significant still to, you know, to be pushing it back into those Champions League places. I think after the Wolves game in particular, it was easy to get, I personally got really down in the dumps after the Wolves game. It didn't look like that, we'd be anywhere near you know, him, yeah. So, no, exactly, exactly. But I think this season, the nature of it is that a lot of the teams around us are dropping points a lot, and you know it's it's having a big effect. And to already be back in the top four, albeit like I said, with the caveat of other teams having games in hand, is a, is a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about the midfield that you mentioned there. Freddie McTominay both look better. Bruno Fernandes looks better, and that's no coincidence. Randick described himself as having flipped the midfield. And that is effectively what you've done. Instead of a 4-2-3-1, it's more of a 4-3-3, but putting numbers on it doesn't quite work because it can kind of shift between the two depending on what United are doing, whether they're in and out of possession. But the the basic fact of the matter is one of them out of Fred and McTominay sits. So there's one six and then there's two eights, Bruno Fernandes and one of McTominay and Fred with one six. So instead of uh, two sixes and a 10 in traditional numbered football terms, there is one six and there are two eights and Fernandez looks much better. Should we, should we tackle why we think Bruno looks better first? Uh, I think he's getting in possession in deeper. So he's got more space to run into, which is something he's good at. means runners can go in front of him. He's simply getting on the ball in, in better areas. He can also have that freedom because there's still two midfielders behind him to, if he chooses, if he can read the game well enough and see, which he can, and see that there's space in between the defensive line and the midfield line of the opposition, he can hang around that space, which I think is what he did in the second half against West Ham. He, it just, yeah, it, it just fits for him much better and gives him a much greater presence on the game, particularly 
perhaps because Ronaldo is in front of him. So he's then they're not getting in the way of each other quite so much. Bruno's got that space to run into without Ronaldo being in quite so close to him in front of him. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I, th- I think the drop to a slightly deeper number eight position has been really good for him. I think it gives him more, more responsibility on the ball in terms of, you know, just needing to take care of the ball more because I think he picks it up in less advanced positions that doesn't always work. We've seen Fernandez give the ball away plenty of times when playing from deeper positions, but I think in general, it has made him keep things simpler. He's been better, I think, therefore, at helping us sustain attacking positions that we get into. And I think the, the key one, yeah, is him and Ronaldo not being in the way quite so much. When Fernandez really thrived, when he plays as a number 10, is when he plays alongside strikers that come deep a lot and or peel out wide a lot. And so Fernandez can spend a lot of the game as the most advanced player for United going forward. And so you saw that's how he scored so many goals last season and in the season before since he joined United. That's how he's been our main goal threat, basically, since he made his debut and since he really started becoming the talisman of this team. I think that the trouble is with Ronaldo is that Ronaldo isn't a striker that comes deep very often or peels out wide. He is a striker himself that likes to stay on the shoulder of the last defender and is primarily looking to make runs in behind, you know, he generally when Ronaldo comes deep is when he's frustrated and hasn't had much of the ball. And I think that difference was meaning that Fernandez found a lot of his natural, the natural tendencies they had with the runs that he wanted to make, the spaces that he wanted to take up just weren't available because Ronaldo was effectively in his space. And, you know, that's just something that needed to be figured out between the two of them. But I think now that he's dropped to a deeper number eight position, naturally this new position means that he has very distinct spaces that he should be operating in compared to Ronaldo. And I think it's done wonders for him. I also think it means defensively we're much better in transition too because you have less bodies that are basically playing as another striker because that's effectively where Fernandez would often find himself. And it means it gives Fred yeah. the license to go forward a little bit more than if you have McTominay or Matic sitting deeper, you've still got more protection in the transition, which I think has helped us a lot not be so susceptible to counter-attacks in the last few games as it's well. It's also picking Fred out it's also, if you take his ball winning abilities, which I think probably most people would agree is the his one standout quality compared to United's yeah. other midfielders, I think it would be fair to say. If you take that ball winning ability and move it up the pitch by, what, seven or eight yards, if that, but however much it is, whether it's more than that or less than that, if you move that ability and that impact on the game up, you see what happens or has happened multiple times in the last few games where either... Fred wins the ball back and sets off an attack with a a short pass and he's doing that well at the moment. He's not trying the passes himself too much, which is good because he hasn't got the ability that Fernandez does, for example, to do that. Or he's winning the ball high up and then he's making that run into the box, which is what we saw for the chance uh, against West Ham, which he, he scuffed a little bit. So by moving that influence up, we're seeing it be much more valuable to United in attack. And then for McTominay, you've still got that protection where Fred can drop in behind him if he goes forward, but the, the roles are, are better defined. It just it just fits much better for for all three players involved. And it's a yeah, it's a wonder why we didn't go for this before. Though I guess Paul Pogba being injured and not around the, the team in terms of selection helps with that because he doesn't have to come into this side. But yeah, for Fred and McTominay, it, it, it's it's clearly better as well. Uh, and we're really seeing McTominay 
well, McTominay and Fred, but McTominay on the ball, we're seeing those qualities of a of driving box to box midfielder that's that's really good with the knowledge that Fred will slip in behind him because he's used to playing that role as well. Yeah, it just it it makes the midfield feel a lot more connected as well. Like I think before we've seen so many times, especially in games where we're chasing the game, we have a lot of the ball, the the opposition sitting deep. The the midfield just ends up. It, it feels very disconnected from the when we when we played a four two three one from the two at the base of midfield, let's say Fred and McTominay, compared to then the four in attack, the three, the left midfielder, right midfielder, the number ten, and the striker. It felt like those two were basically just being left to kind of do a job on their own, and both in attack and in defence. In attack, you'd end up with those two midfielders basically being charged with recycling the ball, getting any clearances or knockdowns from the from the edge of the box, playing it out wide or into the striker or into the number ten, and that was sort of that was it really. That was the extent of their role in our attacks. And then in defence, when we lost the ball and the opposition counter-attacked us, you'd sort of see the two of them and often one of those midfielders would then push up higher as well because we were chasing a goal or, you know, sort of desperate, yeah. in desperate situations. And then you'd either have the two midfielders and the two centre-backs or just one midfielder and the two centre-backs trying to deal with, um, trying to deal with counter-attacks. The goal that springs to mind is Townsend's goal against uh, Everton at home when Fred is basically the only midfielder there to to do any defensive work. He gets beaten out on the uh, sort of yep. right-back position and then Everton have a great position through on goal. But I think what the, this midfield three does is it keeps everything so much more connected because you have, in attack, you have Fernandez as part of that three rather than sort of being part of the front four. And so he has sort of the more advanced number eight out of him and him and Fred. He is able to better connect up the midfield with the attack, but is also still very much part of that midfield so that he is able to be sort of a more creative force, albeit from a little bit deeper. And also when we lose the ball, it means we're, we're nowhere near as susceptible because Fernandez's starting position is often a little bit deeper. Even if he, you yeah. know, <laughs> it feels a little bit crass to be talking about Fernandez's strength as being stopping the other team from counter-attacking when no, he, but he does. Main he's, goal threat. he's a great, um, he's a great runner and, yeah. and his work rate is so good. He runs more than I think I'm saying this yeah. as a, as an estimate, but I think it's backed up by the stats that he runs more than everyone else in the United team, partly because of where he plays, but also because, I mean, you can just see it with your eyes time right. and time again in games, he runs back and covers normally for a fullback generally um, and wins the ball back kind of on the edge of the box or stops a cross going on or at least delays things. Yeah. You can see that. So if he's starting off deeper, he's got a better chance to, to recover. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. That, that was, I think it, it's helped in attack and in, in defense. You know, when, when Pogba comes back, I think he will also fit better into that role if he is either rotated with Fernandez or maybe if we want to play a bit more of an attacking game, he comes in as a number eight alongside Fernandez. I'm intrigued to see how, how Ranić might do that because I think that is the sort of role that we've seen Pogba probably play his best football in in the past. So I'm intrigued to see how he yeah. sort of fits into that. But I think it it's just done wonders both in attack and in defence. We still need to be get we still need to become more creative in attack for sure. That's still something that's lacking. Yeah, but I don't that's think that's the big thing. I don't think that's down to the formation because we still lacked creativity when we were playing the four triple two or the four two three one. It's just a case I think of improving the way that we play in attack. Yeah, it's it's getting some, it's improving decision making, improving choices of of passes and whether to pass or shoot. That was, the, I think that was. Let's talk more specifically about the West Ham performance because we haven't got that much time. That was kind of the key issue against West Ham is we had a lot of possession, we had a great control on the game, so there was no nervousness about 
kind of losing possession. And yet still you saw time and time again, you saw long shots when we just had to keep that up and keep building the pressure and waiting for the opening. And instead we saw, I remember Bruno doing one as he always does and smashing it into the Stretford end. But there was also, from what I can remember in front of me in that second half, there was Tellez and Dallow as well. Um, and and you saw the frustration from their teammates when they made those shots and ended United's pressure on the West Ham goal because so much work goes into each one of those kind of periods of possession around the opposition's box to waste it on a one in a hundred, if less, chance of scoring is, well, yeah, it's a waste. So we need to see, yeah, better decision-making. And you look at where the goal came from, it was Ronaldo dropping deep, which I think he did well in the second half um, and allowed runners to go in front of him. That was that was good. Too often he's dropped into that pocket of space and there's been no runners in front of him. So he's just bounced the ball back or he's lost possession. But this time when we were desperate for a goal, those runners did go in front of him and it worked. I think he did that well and then he held the ball well. He dragged a couple of players in played the pass at the right time really well. Martial delayed the pass. Uh, he did really well, I thought, when in terms of on the ball, uh, even though he fluffed that chance, gives it to Cavani and he looked for the pass instead of shooting himself. And then obviously Rashford finishes the easy chance. And that one chance was just, well, yeah, just on the one expected goal because it was so easy, 0.9. And the 18 or the 17 shots we had before that were worth less in expected goals, 0.76. And yeah, that doesn't mean everything, but it shows the important point in that we weren't making good quality chances despite dominating. And when we just somehow in, in all the mania of, and desperation of trying to score goals, somehow at, right at the end, we made those right decisions and really made the most of, of possession. And it ended us ended up with us scoring. Yeah, I think the, the expected goals differences there is a really, really insightful stat, to be honest, because it just it paints a picture of what we've been seeing and what we've been saying for for weeks now that this team is, has a tendency to be quite selfish, that it has a it, we're, we're very we're very open, I think, to taking the easy option sometimes. The easy option being, you know, you just pick up the ball and you shoot wherever you get it. And you're right, it just did still happen a couple of times. Tellers and Dallow, it's like, like um, were- sorry, just to button. It's like when I'm tired at, at five aside, I just give up on looking for options, give up on looking for passes and just belt it and hope for the best. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, it just, yeah. It, I think we all, as humans, we all have a tendency when we're tired to just take like, whether in football or sport or even just anything else, it's, it's, we have a tendency to just sort of go for like the short term, yeah. easy option, yeah. you know, whether that's like, if you're at work and you leave something to, to do until the morning or you have a choice of two things you could do right now and, and tomorrow morning, you do the easy one now and leave the hard one for tomorrow. Like it's just, that's the kind of decision making that's been plaguing this team. And it could easily have happened in yeah. the build up to the goal as well. You know, Martial could easily have just cut inside and shot there. But I didn't. You know, you take the maybe slightly more difficult and slightly longer route, I guess, to goal, but actually that ends up creating a chance that has 0.9 XG and is basically a guaranteed goal compared to the 17 shots, like you mentioned, that had a combined XG of 0.7. So it's just putting the numbers behind what we're seeing. It's still not perfect. And I think it's going to take. It's going to take time. I think what you're seeing at the moment is that when things are going badly, players tend to, I think, default into some bad habits and they default into, I guess, relying on themselves. And I and I think that actually comes down to maybe not a lack of self-confidence, but a lack of confidence in the whole of the team. And that, you know, you don't necessarily want to play a past your teammate who's in a better position than you if you expect the attack to break down anyway. 
you'd rather just take the chance to to shoot now, even if it is only like a 5% chance yeah. that the ball goes in. And I think, you know, as hopefully you see this United team improve, as you see us become a better attacking force, you'll hopefully start to see players becoming more confident in what the team can do as a whole. Because I think that really is the what's holding us back in attack at the moment is that there isn't enough, I guess, willingness, but also faith in our ability to create chances as a whole unit. So players are still sort of defaulting back to themselves. Yeah. It was better against West Ham. You know, those Tellers and Darlow ones stick out partly because they were a bit of an anomaly throughout the game. I don't think yeah. it was as bad. We still didn't create enough chances, but the selfishness was definitely better than it had been. And against Brentford, it was better as well, but it still needs to be improved. Yeah. We should wrap up shortly. Is there anything else we really need to point out? Bruno Fernandes, excellent. Brilliant for Rashford, as we said earlier. I think Ranić's handled that situation really well. Has yeah. both managed to somehow managed to protect him from too much scrutiny by saying he's he's great and he'll he'll be he'll be good but also giving him that kick up the ass by dropping him and saying he needs to improve he's he's managed to find a nice balance there and that's what all this is about is 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 balance as we say he's focused on the defense yeah. we need to see more in attack i think it will come so 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 do i it it it, it will come so i think yeah. uh, i think ranick what I've really liked about him so far is that he's been, he's always feels very open anytime he speaks to, speaks to the media, speaks publicly. I like the fact that I feel, I, this is going to sound odd, but I, I feel like I'm being kept in the loop about everything yeah. that's happening at the club, you know, and I'm sure that obviously isn't the case. There are plenty of things that happen that are behind closed doors and we don't get any insight to. But I, I just, I, I like the fact that Ranik is being, it seems quite honest and quite open about everything that's happening at the club. And the Martial situation is a, is a great example of that. You know, like, with, you know, just being completely honest about Martial wanting to leave, but that he's been a, a great professional, you know, there's no problem there. I think that re- it helps just quell so much of the, the sort of media drama, the media circus that would 100% have come if this situation yeah. was left in some secrecy and, you know, wasn't just addressed at the outset. So, I, I do I do really like Ranya. Maybe in the international breakout, Harry, maybe the next week we could do a, a sort of deep dive on the first sort of 10, 15 games or so of Ranya's tenure and sort of where we see us going from here. Because I think yeah. we've seen enough now to start making some, forming some opinions. I think I have certainly enjoyed bits of it, haven't enjoyed bits of it. I, I think it's worth maybe taking a deeper look into how the first couple of months have been. Well, we said upon his appointment, we'll really be able to see what this side is after 10 games. This was his 10th game in charge. So perhaps that'll be fitting. Um, I'm going to very quickly do a youth load and women's roundup just to give you an idea what's been going on. And then we'll finish with a quote from Anthony Alanga, who has been brilliant and just sums up yeah, everything yeah, yeah. he wants. So, yeah, we do. As the United <laughs> I can't fan. even go to the episode and didn't even mention Alanga. I know. I was just thinking, well, he is one of the, yeah, one of the great achievements for the academy this week. Four goals scored by the first team, all four by academy graduates. Yeah. Obviously, Alanga, Greenwood and Rashford. It's just, it's, it's brilliant. And there's, as always, there's plenty of else. Other academy graduates doing well across English football. Danny Welbeck scored again this week. Uh, Tom Lawrence did. Will Keane scored another double for Wigan Athletic, who are top of League One. The under-23s, Damani Mello, scored a double on his return. He's just been recalled from loan 
from Salford City where he wasn't getting much game time. Um, scored two in the first half as the under-23s beat Brighton 2-1 away from home. Uh, two decent goals and a, a, actually a really good performance, especially in the first half from the under-23s. So like they were really at it. Uh, and that's good having been beaten 3-1 by City last week. The 18s also really at it, worked hard and, and beat Everton 4-2. Goals from Sonny Algefri, Alejandro Garnacho, and a double from Joe Hugo. The third goal, I'd advise you to go watch it on uh, the, the highlights on the United website. Third goal, keeper comes out, messes up his clearance, and Hugo's about to get violently tackled by one of the Everton defenders and still manages to loft the ball over the entire defence and bounce it into the goal. It's it's an outrageous bit of skill. Um, really good from him. Dylan Levitt on loan at Dundee United scored his first senior goal and 111th minute winner for Dundee United against Kilmarnock in the Scottish Cup. And a nice goal, nice little smart ball roll, sat the defender down and then finished. They've got a song about him now. Dylan Levitt is the best on earth, I think it goes, which is great. Obviously, Anthony Langer also getting a song. Uh, Garner played, Mengi played, Bernard played all in the championship. Twins have been not used. Unused substitute for Napoli, who won this week. Brandon Williams played the full game for Norwich. That's his 16th Premier League appearance this season. So going well for him. And obviously Norwich, a second win in a row, which is excellent. Um, a couple of other bits. Hannibal's Tunisia gone through in the Africa Cup of Nations. They're through to the quarter final where they'll play Burkina Faso. A shock win against Nigeria, but Hannibal didn't play in that game. on new sub. And finally, um, Zidane Iqbal will represent Iraq this week, having chosen to play for them. He's a proud Mancunian of Pakistani heritage. His, his dad is from Pakistan. His mum is from Iraq uh, and he's chosen to play for Iraq. We'll join up with them and we'll probably make his debut on Thursday afternoon against Iran in Tehran. Um, I spoke to Zidane earlier this week uh, for an interview for the United website. So go look at that. He speaks well and gives his reasons as to why he's chosen to play for Iraq and it's interesting. And also loads of great stuff on his debut. Fantastic week for women. Beat Arsenal brilliantly. Alessia Russo scored late on in the Conti Cup court final. Fantastic win. They'll play Chelsea away in the semi-final which will obviously be really hard but but amazing, unexpected win. And then at the weekend beat Spurs 3-0 to go uh, is it second or third in the WSL? Second over Chelsea you have a couple games in hand but I think that's six wins in a row now for the team loads of clean sheets along the way um so yeah Mark Skinner's team doing doing brilliantly well finally we'll wrap up with um yeah Anthony Langer just great song for him and his quote afterwards about having stood on the Stratford end himself and and sung along to chance and then to be hearing his own was a dream and he said something along the lines of I'll just give everything for you that is I mean you can't get better from a United a United youngster can you Jack no, not at all. It's been um, it's been brilliant to watch him. To be honest, I, I I mentioned last week. I think that I remembered when Ranić first came in that Elanga was immediately mentioned in all of the reports coming out of the first week of training when Ranić took over. That he was someone that had impressed him. I think he was on the bench for the first Palace game, if my memory serves me correctly. And when he hadn't been involved very much at all before that this season, yeah. And he's he's grasped this opportunity brilliantly. You know, he's come in at a time when. It's tough. It's tough for young players when they come into a team that isn't playing particularly well. You know, that's so difficult because basically you're the one that people are looking at for some fresh inspiration, for some fresh impetus to the team. And that's not easy when you've, when you're playing behind the likes of Rashford, Sancho, Martial, Fernandez, Ronaldo, Cavani, you know, whoever it might be. If you're coming into a team that's already struggling with those players in the team, it's, it, 
it's a real daunting task to come in and sort of be the one that people look at, look to, to provide a fresh spark. And he's done that and more, you know, from the moment he came in, was it the Villa game in the cup? I think the first one that he played in this run of games, um, you know, he's, he's, he's just been brilliant. I don't, I don't think he's ever, I think he's ever maybe ever, ever put in like a real headline grabbing performance, like we mentioned last week, but he's just been consistently good all the time. And, and I, that sounds a little bit boring as a, as a way to describe his performances, but I don't mean it like that. I just mean that. It, no, it's true. It's, it's he's doing everything you want him to yeah, do. Yeah. He's, his decision making has been good, but more importantly, from a, from a fan's perspective, he's just putting a hundred percent in and you just, yeah, it's, it's just, and his, his movement is, is very, very good for such a young player. Yeah. It's so intelligent yeah. the way he moves. I mean, the run he made for his goal against Brentford, I know he got a little bit lucky with the, the touch looping up to him and, you know, and ended up putting away with a good header, but the run that he made, he covered a hell of a lot of ground to make that run. And the whole, the whole game, yeah. he had been giving Brentford right back a run around, not even necessarily going past him all the time, but just nonstop movement. And I think just that in a United team that has a tendency to be very static, everyone wanting the ball to feet to, to then, you know, cut inside and shoot, actually just having someone who, without meaning to put too simple a point on it, just doesn't stop moving. It's actually a real benefit yeah. to the team when you have players that do have a tendency to all be very, you know, back to goal, wanting the ball to feet, you know, wanting, wanting to get the ball down, you know, take on two or three guys, get a shot on goal. Just having someone who's constantly moving, constantly trying to make space in behind, it actually benefits us massively. And I think he's been brilliant and fully deserves this run of games. Yeah, absolutely. Let's end on that note. Anthony Langer is brilliant. Um, And we'll wrap up there. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. For more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tates, T-A-I-T. And me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there, where you can find information about how to sign up to become a patron and listen to our bonus Q&As every week, which we're about to go and do. And we'll talk about Lingard, we'll talk about Top 4, we'll talk about Dallow and possibly VAR as well. So uh, goodbye for now. Have a great week. See you soon. Podcast Network.